about Jacob was that he was called, the name Jacob means supplanter or deceiver. And Jacob was born of a twin brother named Esau. And they came out and Esau was the older brother. And Esau, by that older birth, being the older brother, came out first. He was given the, the, the birthright. He was the older brother. He was supposed to get a double portion of all his father's goods, of Isaac's. And uh, that was the promise to him. Well, God had prophesied that the younger brother was going to rule over the older brother. Well, in this story, Esau came along, and he was a hunter. He's a great hunter. He had been out hunting. He comes in, and he was kind of famished. He was hungry. He hadn't had anything to eat. And his younger brother, Jacob, was there, and he had a big pot, basically a, a pot of porridge there, stew, just right there at the campsite. And comes in, and Esau says, give me some of that stew. And Jacob says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you some of that stew if you give me your birthright, some of your birthright. And uh, Esau, kind of despising his birthright, said, what, what difference does my birthright make? I'm about to die anyway, so just give me some of that. So he sells his birthright. It shows you where Esau's heart was at. Esau's heart wasn't in the right place. Well, later on, Isaac gets ready to, he's about to die. He's old. He's, uh, he can't see. He says, I call my brother. He calls in Esau. He says, hey, go get me some of that venison, that real good venison you make. And bring it to me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you and give you your birthright. going to bless you with the birthright, which is a real blessing to the Jews. So Esau takes off, and he goes out to go hunting for the deer to, go, to get this uh, food for his dad. Well, Isaac's wife hears the story. The mom hears the story, and he, she calls over to Jacob and says, Hey, what are we going to do? We're going to deceive your dad. We've got to go in there. He's about to give the birthright to Esau. It should belong to you. So go in there and she deceives. So Jacob literally goes in and deceives his dad, gets the, steals the birthright from, from uh, Esau. Esau comes back. When Esau comes back with the porridge, he comes into the tent and he says, Here, Dad, here's the venison. And the dad's like, Who are you? He says, I'm your brother. I'm your son, Esau. And he goes, Well, who's that that I just blessed? And I, he is going to be blessed. And Esau figures out that Jacob had stole the birthright from him. Esau is crying and weeping and repentive and said, Please give me a bless me. Please bless me, Lord. Please bless me, Isaac. And Isaac won't, says, I can bless you, but it won't be nothing like Jacob. So Jacob stole the birthright. Well, Esau says, As soon as dad dies, I'm going to kill Jacob. So Jacob flees. And he flees. He goes into a foreign land. And he goes back to the land that uh, Isaac originally came from. And he goes back and they... Uh, goes back to his uncle Laban, and he works for Laban, and he marries Rachel, and he marries Leah, and he's gone for at least at least ten years, upwards of fourteen to fifteen years, and he's gone. And this whole time, he's worried about Esau because Esau is going to kill him. Well, one day he wakes up, and God tells Jacob, "I want you to go back to your land, and I'll take care of you." Well, guess what? That land that God's sending him back to—that's where Esau's at. The one he deceived, the one he stole the birthright from, the one that said, I'm going to kill you next time I see you. And that's where we're picking up this story. And, and, and so Jacob leaves, and when he leaves and he's traveling to the land, this is uh, chapter 32, verse 1, and Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. The angels of God met him, met Jacob. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanim, which means, that means two armies. So it's a big, huge, two armies of God's angels there that Jacob seen. So you see in here that it's like these angels of God are meeting Jacob. They're meeting Jacob as he's coming back into the land. It's like a, rep, uh, they're like a, a welcoming party. It's God's angels, and that's telling Jacob, hey, you're doing the right thing. You're coming back to where you belong. Verse 3, and Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, 
unto the land of Seir, the country of Edom. So Jacob knows, hey, Esau's out to get me, so I'm going to send messengers to Esau. Verse 4, and he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak unto my lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. So notice he's calling him, he's, my lord Esau, in verse 4, and he says, Thy servant Jacob. He says, I'm just a lowly servant compared to you, Esau. He's basically trying to be very humble. He said, you're, you're the man, Esau. You're the man. You're the man. I'm just a nobody. I'm just a nobody. You're the man. That's how he's trying to talk, to butter him up. Verse 5. And I have oxen and axes, asses and flocks and men servants and women servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find grace in thy sight. So Jacob says, man, I've gotten very rich when I've been out of the land. I'm coming back. I'm about to give you a big present. That's what he's telling Esau. I'm about to bring you a big present. Now let's see what happens. Verse 6. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to, the brother, to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee. And 400 men with him. Uh-oh, that's not good. You know, it's like, it's one thing to say, well, Esau's coming with a couple of his servants. 400 men, that sounds like an army. He's coming to whip somebody, right? And that's what Jacob, he sees that same thing too. Verse 7, then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands. So he's starting to split everybody up. And he said, if Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. He says, I'm going to split y'all up. So if Esau comes and he attacks y'all, then the rest of us can escape. Or if he attacks us, the rest of you, y'all can run and escape. So he's trying to split it up, trying to be tactical about it. So God has sent Jacob back into the land, back into Esau. Y'all see what's going on here? Jacob has a real burden. Jacob has a real burden. Esau's coming. Payday is coming. Jacob messed around. Jacob messed over Esau. Jacob stole his birthright. Jacob's a thief. He's a deceiver. He's a supplanter. And his payday is coming. And he sees Esau coming. It's time for him to reap that evil that he sowed. And I preached about that, how you'll reap what you sow. And Jacob sees all these sins he's done in the past. He thought he got away with them. He, he tried to run from his sins, but you never can run completely from your sins. And when he comes back, he's like, oh, no, I'm about to pay for my sin. I'm about to get what's coming to me. And he's very, very afraid. But Esau, uh, Jacob's going to do something that all of us in here should do. He's going to turn to God and he's going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you humbly and I pray Father that your Holy Spirit will lead God directs us this morning into all truth Lord God help us Lord to understand these truths that we see in this story of Jacob and Esau Lord Lord I pray Father if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know you as the Lord and Savior you can't think of a time that, they're, that they received you that they're born again that Lord as we give the invitation at the end of these services Lord they'll come on down and get saved but Lord I pray Father these great truths Lord to help us as Christians to understand how we need to live, and how we need to approach you in prayer. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. So I'm going to preach this morning on wrestling with God because there's some amazing things that Jacob's about to do as he wrestles with God, as he wrestles with God. Look at verse 9. Let's go into verse 9. So Jacob's going to do one of the greatest prayers you'll find. One of the greatest prayers you'll find in the Bible starts here at verse 9. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, 
The Lord which saidest unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will dwell, deal well with thee. Let's stop there. This prayer here is going to be a sevenfold prayer of acknowledging. It's a prayer of acknowledging, of acknowledgement. And what, what Jacob's going to do, when he starts praying to God, there's going to be six things he's going to acknowledge, and there's going to be one thing he wants God to acknowledge. There's six things that he wants to acknowledge with God, but there's one thing that he wants God to acknowledge. So let's start here. The first thing, notice, the first thing he does is he acknowledges who God is. O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord, Jehovah, Elohim, the Lord. So when we approach God we, as Christians, how do we approach God? We approach God as our father. We approach God as you're my father. I'm your child. I need help. I'm approaching you not as God of the universe. And you are, amen? He is the God of the universe. But I'm approaching you first as not only the God of the universe, but you're my father. So he's acknowledging God and his position that he has and our relationship we have with him. Christian, when you pray to God, you're not praying to just a, to some pie-in-the-sky idea, some philosophy. You're praying to a being, a person named Jehovah that loves you and has adopted you into a family that now wants to call you a son or daughter and now looks at you and wants you to look at him as a father. Man, that's an amazing concept. And that's how Jacob's approaching. He's acknowledging God as his father. Notice here, which said, saidest unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. That goes back to Genesis 31. I mentioned it. That's exactly what God had told him. Go back, I'll deal well with you. Return to your land. Everything will go well. That's exactly how he's, what he, and he's, quoting, the, he's quoting God's words. What he's doing is he's acknowledging God spoke to him. Which said us unto me. Jacob's acknowledging God spoke to him. Has God spoke to you? Well, I'll answer that for you. Yes, he has. When did God speak to me? Right here. And this book right here called the Bible, it's God's words. He spoke to everybody in this room. You might not realize it. You might not understand it, but he spoke to you. He wants you to hear it. He wants you to understand it. And he's acknowledging that, God, you told me this. And he's acknowledging that God spoke to him. And he's acknowledging God said, not only do you speak to me, you told me to do this. Verse 10, I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast has showed unto thy servant. He acknowledges his unworthiness. He acknowledges that he's a sinner. He acknowledges he's not worthy of getting any kind of anything from God. When we approach God as a father, we should approach God as a father humbly, realizing this is our father. We're just a child. He's the king of the universe. We're just a lowly servant. He's, a, he's the master. We're just a servant. We're, we're nobody. We can't do anything. And we're unworthy. Can you, say, can, you, can you imagine? Can you, can you contemplate? See, the problem I have when I deal with people about their salvation, about their soul is they think they're worthy of what God's going to give them. They don't want to admit they're a sinner. They don't want to admit that they've done things wrong. They think, well, I'm not so bad. I, no, in God's eyes, this is a holy God. Amen. And notice, if you read the book of Revelation, when God is approached on his throne, he's approached on his throne. This isn't a God that there's these cherubim, these 
these incredible angels, these beings, cherubims around the throne. And it said that they're chanting something day and night. Day and night they're chanting something. Well, modern day Christians, modern day world, without knowing what they're chanting, would say, oh, surely they're chanting love, love, love. God is love. God is love. No, that's not what they're chanting. Go and read it. Go read the book of Revelation. You know what they chant day and night? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You're approaching a holy God. And I'm here to tell you something. I don't know all of y'all really well, but you're not holy. Amen. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just trying to give you the truth. You're not holy. Go kid your mama. Don't kid me. You're not that good. There's two people you can't fool, a police officer and a pastor. We've seen it all. We know how sorry everybody is. You're unworthy. Jacob says, I'm unworthy. And he acknowledges his unworthiness of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed me. Fourthly, he's acknowledging that God has showed him mercy in the past. God has showed him mercy in the past. I'm unworthy. I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies which thou hast showed unto thy servant. Can you acknowledge this morning that God showed you mercy in the past? Well, amen, amen. I think we can, most of us, most of us in here can admit that God has shown us mercy and grace in the past. So therefore, when we approach God, we can acknowledge, hey God, you've done this for me before. Can you help me out again? You've helped me before. I'm not approaching you. As a God that doesn't give us a second chance, I'm approaching you knowing that you'll give me some more mercy. I got some good news for you. The Bible says that God sits on the throne of grace, not condemnation. I'm going to give you some other good news. When you approach God, you're approaching God, a God not of just second chances, not a God of third and fourth chances. We're, we're approaching a God that gives you multiple, 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 multiple chances. Peter asked, Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times. What did Jesus Christ say? Nay, I say unto thee, seven times seventy. Come on, guys. God's been so good to us. And merciful. We can acknowledge, hey, I think that's what we forget as Christians. We forget to acknowledge, hey, God, you've been really good to me now. And this is going on in my life. Because notice, this is a burden. This is a real burden. And most of us in here, we have real burdens. We have Esau's that are on our back. We have the storm of Esau coming. And we see it coming across the horizon. It's, oh, God, I don't want to deal with this. Oh, God, I can't handle this. Oh, God, I don't want to. Oh, God, help me, God, help me. And we got real burdens. The Bible says about those burdens, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. That's the promise. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. There's the problem. There's the promise. You got the burden, just like Jacob has the burden. He's acknowledging that he's not worthy. He's acknowledging that he has had mercies forgiven in the past, shown to him in the past. In verse 10 it says, And of all the truth which thou hast showed me. Fifthly, he's acknowledging that God has showed him truth in the past. You know, um, I think we take for granted, Christian, how much truth God's shown us out of the word of God. We, take, we, 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 we kind of take for granted just how good God's been to us, number one, because he's shown us so much mercy. And two, how much truth he's shown us, how we've taken 
and I know a lot of us in here can, can, can give this testimony. A lot of us in here have took a, took a little molehill and made a mountain out of it. And then after that thing comes up, well, that wasn't so bad. I made something, I made a little bit, I made a little bit of something out of big something out of nothing. It really wasn't that big a deal. And when we have another burden coming, oh no, it's bigger. I can't climb this, God. We need God's truth again. We need God's truth. Thy word is truth, Jesus Christ says. You got it in your lap, that truth right there. And when thou hast showed unto thy servant, for with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two mans. So, Lord, this is the situation I'm in. I'm coming over. You've told me to come. And now I've split up into two different groups. Verse 11, he's going to, verse 11, he's going to acknowledge, deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. The sixth thing he's going to acknowledge is he needs God's help. Can you acknowledge that this morning? You need God's help. You can't deliver yourself. You can't save yourself. If you're here this morning, you're saying, you know what, I, I, I want to get saved, I want to go to heaven, but I, I'm going to work this, do this kind of work. I'm, you can't work enough to please God. You can't work to God. You're not saved by works. You're saved by grace. You can't even say, you know what, I'm such a sinner, I'm so sorry, no good. I'm going to crucify myself on a cross to pay for my sins. God won't take your blood. He won't take your works. He won't take your blood. What am I going to do? You're going to have to pray and ask God to deliver you. And the way he's going to deliver you is through the precious blood of the holiness of Jesus Christ. That's the only way you're going to be delivered. And you need to acknowledge, and here Jacob's acknowledging, I need delivery, Lord. And you're the only one that can help me. Why? Because I'm in fear. I'm afraid. And there's nothing wrong with being afraid. Lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. Lastly, there in verse 12, look at verse 12 in this great prayer of Jacob. And thou saidest, and thou saidest, talking about God said it, I will surely do thee good. And make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. He prayed, asking God to acknowledge the promises he had made. See, he went through six things of acknowledging God. And when he got to the last one, he said, Okay, God, I acknowledge I'm sorry, no good. I acknowledge you, you're my father. I acknowledge that you've shown me mercy in the past. I've acknowledged that you've given me truth out of the Bible. I acknowledge to you that you're my only deliverer. Now, Lord, I want you to acknowledge something. Acknowledge that you said you would do something good for me. Take God for his word. Lord, you said it. Lord, you said it. Don't you remember what you promised? Do you know the promises of God out of your Bible, Christian? You should. God promised. How are you praying? How can you pray and ask God to acknowledge something you don't know what it is? You know what the Bible says in Hebrews 13? The Lord said in Hebrews 13, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You ever prayed that? Lord, I'm in a bad shape. I've got a lot of burden. But you promised, Lord, you would never leave me nor forsake me. Lord, you promised that all this is going to work for my good. Romans chapter 8. God, you promised in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 
in chapter 12, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Lord, you promised that your grace is sufficient and that my weakness, you'll show your strength. So we, sometimes we need to call God out and say, Lord, you promised me. I remember back in the early 90s before the Cowboys started winning all, winning all their Super Bowls, I was down in Austin at Dallas Cowboy training camp. And I was waiting at the side of the fence. And at that time, I mean, you can get right here to them. And Michael Irvin comes running out. And I was trying to get Michael Irvin's autograph. I said, hey, Mike, hey, man, can I get your autograph? He goes, man, I got to go to practice. I got to go to practice. And he ran on. And my wife at the time was there with me. And when he came back, here he comes. He's signing autographs. And uh, it's like, you promise, Mike, you promise. And Michael Irvin said, I know, baby, I know. And he went over there and signed that autograph. Now, if a wicked, sorry sinner like that can do me that, right, that way, what do you think God's going to do? God, you promised. You promised. I want you to remember, Lord, that you promised. And that's what Jacob's doing here. A great, great prayer to God. Let's move on to verse 13. And he lodged there. Jacob lodged there. That same night, and took of that which came to his hand a present, for Esau, his brother, 200 she-goats and 20 he-goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milch camels. That milch would be, we'd say milk, camels that are milking. With their colts, 40 kine and 10 bulls, 20 she-asses and 10 foals. And he delivered them into the hands of his servants. Every drove by themselves and said unto his servants, Pass over before me and put a space betwixt drove and drove. Now, he's... What he's doing here is he's getting a present ready to give to Esau. Now, I've read some commentators and I've heard some preachers preach about how Jacob, he prays this great prayer and then he doesn't believe, he doesn't have the peace. He doesn't have peace after he's, he's prayed this great prayer. Jacob doesn't have peace, so now he's going to bring all this, these gifts to Esau. I don't see it that way. What I see here is a man that says, God, I'm going to pray to you, and I'm going to do my part. What I see here is a man that says, God, I'm going to pray and ask you to do your part, and I'm going to do my part. What do we say? God helps those that help themselves? Let me give you a better illustration than this. If you don't have a job, and you sit down on your couch... Oh, God, I need a job. Oh, God, please give me a job. And then you kick your feet back up and turn on the TV. God still hasn't sent me a job yet. Get off your rear end and go put some applications in. Pray and ask God to give you a job and go look for a job. Listen. We can pray and pray and pray, but there's a time to get up and say, Lord, I've done all the praying I'm supposed to do, now I'm going to do my part. Man, this ain't going over good. This is like a lead balloon in here. Y'all don't like to do your part? We know God. We know God's the only one that can deliver us, but we got to do our part. We want to pray and have God do every single thing for us. We've got to get up and allow God to move in our lives. Lazy Christians. Oh, I'll pray about it. I'll pray about it. Sometimes it's time to go do something about it. Y'all think I'm just running my mouth, aren't you? I know y'all out there going, that pastor always running. Listen, when you read in Joshua, 
Joshua comes over, and he does this great victory. Joshua gets this great victory. They, the, jaw, the walls of Jericho fall, but somebody in the camp stole some Babylonian gold and garments, and they hid it. Achan hid it in the... So God, they go to have another battle, and it falls apart. They don't win the battle. Oh, Joshua's, oh, man, Lord, what's going on here? Lord, what? And he gets down on his knees, and he, Joshua's crying to God. Joshua's cry, crying to God and praying, and God shows up. The Lord shows up and says, what are you doing on your knees? Get up. There's sin in the camp. Go take care of it. Stop crying and whining to me. You've tried. It's time to get up and do something about it. I think that's what's going on here. I think Jacob says, Lord, I'm praying. <laughs> Lord, you do your part. Now I'm going to go do my part. That's how I see it. Verse, uh, verse 17. He commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau, my brother, meeteth thee, and asketh thee, saying, Whose art thou? And whither goest thou? And whose are these before thee? Then shalt thou say, They be thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my Lord Esau. And behold, also he's behind us. And so commanded he that second and the third and all that followed the drove, saying, On this manner shall ye speak unto Esau when ye find him. And say, say ye moreover, Behold, the, thy servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me. And afterward I will see his face. Peradventure he will accept of me. So when the present over before him, so, so went the present over before him and himself lodged that night in the company. And he arose up in that night, up that night, and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. So he's getting everything ready to meet Esau, and he's doing his part. He's giving the presents. He's trying to show Esau that he's sincere. He's sincere about reconciliation. He's sincere that he's sorry for his sins. He's saying, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that to you. Here's a bunch of stuff. Here's a bunch of presents to make up for it. But in the meantime, he says, I'm sending all this over. I'm taking my, my, what's most precious to me, my wife and kids, and I'm keeping them with me. And then at the end, he says, y'all go ahead and go over. And right now, you're about to see one of the greatest wrestling matches the WWF has ever put on, never has put on something like this. Because God and Jacob are about to wrestle. Look at the very next verse, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. That's a scary place to be, brothers and sisters. Alone with God. Sometimes God will put you in a place where it's just you and Him. And that, that's a humbling place to be. To me, personally, it was a scary place to be. When I was down in uh, Bible College, down in Pensacola, Florida, and I was trying to get close to the Lord, it was just, there were times it was just me and God in that travel trailer. And that was a scary place to be. God show up and start showing me my sin. Things I need to clear up. Oh, you want to serve me? You want to do something for me? You want to preach the gospel for me? Well, you need to get rid of this. You need to get rid of that. You need to stop doing this. You need to stop thinking this way. You need to stop talking this way. <laughs> it was me and God alone. And when God gets you alone, he can deal with you. So I grew up in a pretty rough neighborhood. Not real rough. Joker would know some of these people I'm, I'm about to talk about, but I'd run into these guys out on the streets. There'd be three or four of them. Man, they'd try, they'd try to fight me every time I seen them. Throw rocks at me, try to chase me down, try to fight me. There'd be three or four of them. But if I caught just one of them by themselves, hey, man, how you doing? They were my best friend. 
You get two or three of them together, they could rule the world. They could conquer the world. But you get them by themselves, all of a sudden we're best friends. <laughs> That's how all of us in here are. When we got our friends sitting next to us, got our mom and dad sitting next to us, we got, we got the world sitting next to us. Man, we're, we're tough. We're, we're bulletproof. Nobody scares us. Nothing scares us. I'm not afraid of nothing. Boy, wait, you get alone and then God shows up. If you've never had that happen in your life, I pray it doesn't. Jacob was to a point where God says, all right, Jacob, I'm showing up. You're alone, now I'm going to show up. And look what God does. And he, Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. So in Hosea chapter 12, it tells us that that man was an angel. Later on, God, Jacob's going to admit that when he wrestled, he was wrestling with God. That could be nothing else but Jesus Christ before his incarnation. They call this a theophany. This is an angel of the Lord. It's where in the Bible, when you're reading, maybe you've never noticed it, but when you're reading in the Bible, like in Exodus and stuff, it says, and the angel of the Lord said, I'm going to do this to you, and I'm going to do that to you. And an angel of, the angel of the Lord is talking like he's God. Because he is God. It's Jesus pre-incarnate before he came into flesh. One part of the Trinity. And that's what's happening here. What's, what's wild about this is, is that Jacob's alone, it's in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden, here comes this man walking up to him. This comes out by the shadows. Yeah, who's there? That man comes walking. It's me, Jacob. You've been praying to me. Come here. And that angel grabs him. The Lord grabs him and pulls him. And Jacob pulls away, and then the wrestling match starts. What's interesting is that God, God starts this. God shows up to wrestling. God shows up to wrestle Jacob. He shows up and he wants to wrestle with Jacob. It's flesh versus flesh is what's going on here. It's flesh versus flesh. Man thinks, and a lot of you in here think this way, that you can wrestle your way out of your problems. See, man thinks he can wrestle his way out of any problem he gets into. You just give me a chance, I can wrestle my way through it. <laughs> There's some of you men in here. If you're like me, you, you think I'm, I can Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee. Just anybody, they, there's three of them. I think I can Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris my way. And, you know, if I have my gun, I'll John Wick them. Pow, 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 you know. We're not as tough as we think. You know, I, I run my mouth, and I, you know, I try to act like a tough guy. I'm not a tough guy. Y'all know that. I'm just a big old weenie. I was down in Corpus Christi, and I was coming down. It was middle of the night. It's probably like 1 o'clock in the morning. I'd been playing at a video arcade place called a free play arcade where you can play all those old video arcades, pinballs and stuff. You pay 10 bucks and you play pinball. So I was up there. It's my vacation, so don't judge me. I stayed up to 1 o'clock in the morning playing pinball in this place. All the arcades are on the second floor. The bar's on the bottom floor, so y'all don't judge me. I was on the top floor playing all the arcade games, pinball and things. Well, it got 1 o'clock, it's time to go. So I leave, I'm about four blocks from my house, from my, from my apartment. My wife's back sleeping like a sane person. She's not crazy like me. She says, well, I'm going to walk from here over to my hotel room. So I start walking to my hotel room, and there's another bar that was out there, and these guys come out of the bar and start trouble with me. So the first thought in my mind was, I forgot to bring my gun. Stupid idiot. What are you doing walking at 1 o'clock in the morning down downtown Corpus Christi in some strange town and you don't have your gun? 
Because I think I can wrestle anybody. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm bulletproof. So the whole thing Brother Keegan does is, okay, how fast can I run? <laughs> can I run past these guys? And then they can't catch me. Boy, they're, 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 brother, sister, it was straight out of Sodom and Gomorrah, the things they were yelling at me. It was filthy. Praise God, I got home. God got me home, amen, to my hotel room, safe and sound. We all think we can, we're bulletproof, and that, but God shows up in your life, and he starts wrestling you, and you don't want to wrestle. God, I don't want to wrestle with this sin. That sin doesn't matter to me. It's not important to me. I'll put it to the side. I'm going to keep living like I'm living, and one time God shows up, and he says, okay, you're all alone. We're going to wrestle this out, and we're going to wrestle with you. I'm going to wrestle with you about this sin you're dealing with because you won't deal with it. And Jacob's wrestling. You see why God's wrestling with Jacob? If you go back, what is Jacob known as? He's known as a supplanter and a deceiver. And if you read the story of Jacob through his whole life, he's been deceiving and supplanting people. Even when he goes to Laban, he's deceiving Laban. He steals cattle from Laban. He's doing all. Jacob's not a very good person. And God's getting about tired of it. He prays to God, oh, help me, Lord. Oh, acknowledge. Oh, yeah. And he calls God out. Hey, you promised me. And he said, all right, yeah, yeah, uh -huh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Jacob gets all alone. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm all alone. My kids are over there. And I got, all of a sudden, God shows up. Hey, Jacob, we got something we need to wrestle about. <clears throat> Grabs him, and they start wrestling. Just like every man in here, we think we can wrestle through our problems. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, the angel's wrestling him. The Lord is wrestling with Jacob. And he sees, hey, I'm not getting the better of Jacob. He touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. See, Jacob's getting, Jacob's like, ugh. And then Jacob's like, I think I'm getting a little better of him. And Jacob, you know, and they're wrestling. And then the Lord says, I'm done with this. And just one touch of the Lord. And all of a sudden, Jacob just, oh, my thigh, ah. Anybody in here been touched by God? Amen. You think you're mighty, you're bulletproof, everything's going well. God says, I want you to clean this up. I'm wrestling with you about it. I'm wrestling with you about it. I'm wrestling. Oh, God, I got this. You know, I, oh, God, okay, okay, God, okay. Uncle, uncle, uncle. Any of y'all in here cried uncle to God? I have. Oh, I got, oh, I, uncle, uncle, God, I give up, I give up. Okay, I'll stop doing that. Uncle, uncle. It shows him you can't trust your flesh. You can't trust your flesh. He said, let me go, verse 26. He said, let me go for the day breaketh. That's the angel of the Lord says, hey, let me go, the day breaketh. Even with that hollowed out, even with that thigh out of joint, even with it broke, he won't let him go. He's still trying to fight. And verse 26, and he said, that would be Jacob, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. He's grabbing a hold of him. He's got a hold of that. And he says, uh, let me go, Jacob. Let me go. Jacob says, not until you bless me. I think it's interesting that he didn't ask for a healing. You mean he's hurting? He's in a lot of pain. He's just had his, his thigh been knocked out of joint. He's sitting there in agonizing pain. And he says... I want you to bless me. See, Jacob 
Maybe he's doing what we, a lot of us in here need to do. Maybe instead of praying for the healing, we need to ask God for the blessing. Instead of praying for a healing, maybe we need to start asking God for a blessing. Maybe inside that pain God's given us, maybe inside that, that, that storm we're going through, God says, I'm going to work, and you say, okay, God, well, show me the blessing in it. Show me the blessing in it, Lord. Show me the blessing. Show me the blessing. Verse 27, and he said unto him, What is thy name? The angel of the Lord said to Jacob, What's your name? And he said, Jacob. Which, remember, what does Jacob mean? Deceiver, supplanter. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For, a prince, for as a prince thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed. The angel of the Lord knows Jacob's name. He came there to wrestle Jacob. What he's basically saying is, Jacob, what are you? I'm a supplanter and a deceiver. No. You're a prince of God. Your name is Israel, which means you're a prince of God. Christian, there's a great truth in this. You're wrestling with God, you're wrestling with God, and God stops you and says, what are you? What's your name? Lord, I'm a thief. I'm a murderer. I'm a liar. I'm an adulterer. Lord, I'm a... No, 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 no. You're a son of God. You're not those things. That's what you were. You were the supplanter, the deceiver. Now your name is Israel. Christian, you were a thief, a murderer, a liar. You're not those things anymore. You were in the flesh, but now you're the Son of God. You're a new creature in Jesus Christ. You've got a new name written down in heaven. Some of y'all are not going to get that. Some of y'all, if you're lost in here, you're not going to get that until you get to heaven. And you're judged by God for your sins. And you stand before God, and God says, What's your name? And you're going to say, My name is John Doe. And God's going to say, No, it's not John Doe. Your name is Thief. Uh, 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 yeah, you're a thief. Uh, 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 yeah, and on certain 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 days, certain certain, you stole and you lied and you murdered. I, I, I never murdered anybody, Lord. I, I never killed anybody. Did you think about it in your heart? Remember, on a certain certain day, you said, "I want to kill him," but 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 it'll be too late. Some of us can get to heaven, and we haven't lived the life the Lord wants us to do. Say, Lord, I hadn't been living, but you're a son of God. You know, your name is no longer thief. Your name is no longer liar, Christian. Your name is a son of God. He's wrestling with you. And Jacob asked him and said, verse 29, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after thy, my name? And he blessed him there. <laughs> Jacob says, What's your name? You don't even know my name. You know, there's multiple times in the Bible where the angel of the Lord shows up and he does these God-like things and they say, what's your name? And they're like, my name is Secret. You don't know my name. And it isn't for like another 1,500 years later that they find out his name. Gabriel tells Mary his name. Gabriel tells Mary. Gabriel tells Joseph. And what you're going to name this child is Jesus. That's his name. Verse 30, and Jacob called the name of the place that Peniel, the place that they were wrestling, Peniel, 
For I, this is why that, what that means, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. You know, God doesn't heal him up here. I can't promise you healing. I can't promise you health when you wrestle with God. But look at verse 31. And as he passed over Peniel, which is what? God face to face, as he passed over Peniel, the sun, the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh. He limped. He had wrestled with God. And he found out that his flesh was weak. And for the rest of his life, Jacob was going to be limping. But he might have been limping. But I'm going to tell you something about Jacob. As he limped up and that sun was rising, Jacob was never more right with God than that day he limped up that mountainside with that sun rising. Because he had had a wrestle with God. What happened with Esau? What happened with Esau? Look at verse 1 of chapter 33 in closing. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came, and with him four hundred men. And he divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel and to the two handmaids. And he put the handmaids and the children foremost, and Leah and her children after, and Rachel and Joseph hindermost. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And what does Esau do? Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. A, a great reunion of forgiveness. You know what I found out doing marriage counseling, doing all kinds of counseling through my life and being around people? You know what I found out? Most people, I'm not saying everybody, most people just want to make things right. You know, God had been blessing Esau just like he had been blessing Jacob. And if you go home and read this story, Esau's going to say, Jacob, I don't need any of this stuff. I got all my own. Esau just wanted to be right with his brother. And Jacob had to fight with God and wrestle with God and get right with God. And then God made everything right when he came on that mountain. Now, what if Esau would have said, We're not right, Jacob. We're not going, I'm never going to forgive you. You know whose fault that would have been? Esau's. Jacob was right with God. So, brothers and sisters, if you have someone you're fighting with, and they, you fight with them, you say, man, I've done everything I can, Lord. I've forgiven them, and they won't forgive me. Just go on and live your life. Limp through life, because you're going to be a lot happier than Esau would have been. But Esau, after everything was done to him, he said, I want to choose the right way, and I want to get right with Jacob. And they got together, embraced, and wept. What a great reunion of brothers. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16, and most people have heard this verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care. Upon him